Let's turn to the Word of God then this morning. Will you turn to the book of Exodus, please? The book of Exodus. This is our second part, but an entirely different message than last week. Last week we were on, so what's your excuse then? What is your excuse then? And this week we're on, so what's your excuse now? So that will be part two today. What is your excuse now? Last week we looked at how three men were called by Christ. And those three men were called to come. One said, I can't come, I've bought land. Another says, I can't come, I've bought uh, oxen. And another says, I can't come, I got married. And because of that, he couldn't come. He had the best excuse out of them all. But nevertheless, it was no excuse. And they were lame excuses. But then we looked then at Jeremiah who cried, Ah, Lord God, I cannot speak for I am a child. He made an excuse at the call of God. And we looked at the four Ah, Lord Gods that are through the book of Jeremiah. Ah, Lord God, I cannot speak right through. He blamed the people then. He blamed the prophets then. And then at the end of it, he's praising God at the end of it. So we're going to read uh, Exodus chapter 3, please. Just a few verses. Uh, I need to lean on your own biblical understanding on this uh, a little because it would take forever to read the whole chapter. And while you're looking, could I just welcome, and I keep forgetting, and uh, there's so many faithful people from the United States get up at 4.30 in the morning to watch uh, every Sunday morning and all other places, people around the, the nation and across the world. And I want to welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I keep meaning to say that, so forgive me for not. Exodus 3, verse 11. This is Moses in the backside of the desert. This is the burning bush. And verse 11 says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Keep your Bible open at that chapter. We're going to refer to it in a moment. Let's buy in a word of prayer. Father, in a, a windy and stormy day, we thank you, Lord, you've brought your people out. We thank you, Lord, you've brought them under the sound of thine own word. And we thank you that you've brought them out to remember your son, his death in Calvary, his atoning sacrifice, his precious shed blood. And now I pray, Father, that thy spirit would move from seat to seat and from heart to heart, that every head and home that is represented, Lord, would be blessed and encouraged, even maybe if it's conviction, Lord, that they would feel something in their heart from your word by your spirit. But Lord, even, Lord, that encouragement that comes from you may be known, a challenge from you. But when all is said and prayed and done and sung this morning, we pray in the worthy name of your Son that, Lord, we would all leave here saying it was good for us to be here. For surely this was the gate of heaven to our souls. And to that end, Father, we ask you, 
Lord, that you would help me, a man of clay lips, frail and infirm at times, Lord, that you would anoint me. And even as it was prayed, you touched my lips, as it were, with a life cold from off the altar, that I may speak well of thee. And that thy Son alone would be seen and glorified and exalted in this house. And, O oh God, we may be in a tabernacle, but sure you visited Israel in the tabernacle in the wilderness. You knew exactly where they were. And we thank you, you know exactly where we are this morning. Visit your people and glorify your son. Remember George Bates as has been prayed this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would help him and heal him. And Lord, we thank you for medical profession, Lord, but you are still the great healer and the great physician. And we pray, Lord, for the healing of his body. So glorify your name and bless your people. And if there's one here that is not saved, we pray this morning they'd come to the cross and be born again of your spirit and washed in the blood. And Lord, we'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Moses, in the backside of the desert, the Lord says, I want you to go, and I want you to go to Pharaoh to say, let my people go that they might serve me. And Moses doesn't really come back and say, what if Pharaoh says? But really he says, what if your people say? And Moses starts to make an excuse why he shouldn't go and answer the call of God. Why he shouldn't go into Egypt. Because remember, it was 40 years ago and he slew an Egyptian. And they had been after him. He had to run for his life. But Moses isn't saying, but what about Pharaoh? Moses is saying, what about your people? Is it strange or is it not strange that sometimes it's the hardest to get through to God's people? than it is to get through to the unregenerate and the unsaved. And sometimes the unregenerate, the unsaved, are easier to speak with and to speak to than God's own people. And so Moses says, Who will I say sent me when your people say, Who sent you? What will I say to them, Lord? So Moses is starting to make up an excuse in his heart and in his mind why he shouldn't answer and why he shouldn't go. What am I going to say, Lord? And you know, you and I, I think if we're honest with each other, we get to the place and the point where we're the same. We would say, Lord, what about this or what about that? What about the other thing? And what if this happens or doesn't happen? What if I step out in faith at, at your call and at the sound of your word? And what if it doesn't work? What if, what if it doesn't prosper? What if there's no fruit from it? What if we go to have a mission and nobody gets saved? I heard recently speaking to people and they were distraught that their minister says they wouldn't have a mission. They're wanting mission. Wanting mission. They're asking for mission. They're actually pleading their minister to step out of the four walls and have mission. To try and reach the people of our land And he says he won't because he's afraid of it not working. Have you ever heard such nonsense in all your life? Brothers and sisters, we can make an excuse. I'm afraid of it not working. I'm afraid of something going wrong. I'm afraid, Lord, if I step out, I'll look foolish. I'm afraid that I'll get hurt. 
And it's easier sometimes to speak to the, the, worldly, the world and, and the, the worldlings than it is to God's people. Many of God's people become calloused and hardened to the things of God. And it's hard to get through. Conviction has left, has left many a heart. Conviction of the Spirit, conviction of the Word, conviction of righteousness, conviction of living, conviction of how to live before God and how not to live before God. And to go to God's people, step up on a platform many in the year 2022, and you preach prosperity, and you preach good times, and you preach glad times, and you preach nothing but candy floss sermons, as it were. And the people flock to hear it. That's what they want, and that's what they desire. And, and they'll come to hear that. But step behind a pulpit and preach hard things. Preach holiness. Preach right living. Preach abstinence. Preach consecration, separation. Preach faith in standing up and stepping out. Not faith to come and have a nice wee meeting and go home until the next meeting. But to be that person in private that you are in public. To be the man and the woman who's strong in private. As you put on, you are in public. Not the face for church and then a different face for home or out in workplace where it's fear. And all we have seen for the last two years is people who say, I'm a Christian and keyboard warriors putting up little texts and posts. They might be good, but it isn't taking your stand and stepping out and saying, I'm going to be there. I'm going to go to my meeting. I'm not going to worry about government, legislation. I'm not going to be afraid of what they say, but rather I'm going to step out. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to proclaim Christ when a world is shutting down. But Lord, what will I say when they ask me who sent you? Tell them you serve I am. Not an I was. And the world is trying to make Christ an I was. I was the one. I was the God. I was the Savior. I was the Redeemer of men and women who knew little to nothing and who were really stupid and didn't have much understanding in time past. But now with our scientific knowledge, we know there is no God. That's the world. But God says, it's not I was. He says, I am. And it's not I will be. He says, I am. Moses says, who will I say sent me? Moses is making an excuse. Why not to serve? Moses is making an excuse. Why not to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go? that they might serve me. Moses is making an excuse. But then the people might say, what will I say if they say? 
And, and don't we always have our hearts built up to a place where our minds are in a frenzy, in a turmoil, where our minds are going, as we would say, a dime a dozen. And the anxiety and the panic attack comes. What about this? And oh, what if I took sick and this happened? Or what if I wasn't well and this happened? Brothers and sisters, we're not told to be in fear. We're not told to live in fear. In fact, we're told the opposite. The very opposite. For God hath not given us the spirit of. Of what? But of power. And of love. And of a sound mind. But of power and of love and a sound mind. Who do we serve this morning but the great I am? Not the I was or I will be, but the great I am. And we make excuses up. Listen, you can make excuses up. Sometimes people would come and they make excuses up. Why? For example, why they weren't out. Look, I can't make you come out. If it's in your heart to be out, you'll be out. And if it's not, you won't. We can encourage you, but we can't make you. And people would come with an excuse. And then another excuse, and another excuse, and the excuse. Then they start blaming everybody else. Start looking around them, who else to blame? Like Jeremiah did. It was the people of the day. It was the prophets of the hour. They're preaching a softer message than I preach. So, you know, maybe if we preached a different, softer, liberal message. Maybe if we didn't mention the things that's happening in the world, in the nation. Maybe if we didn't preach against abortion. Maybe if we didn't preach against gay marriage. Maybe if we didn't preach against all of these things. and Maybe we could take our stand there. And that's not taking your stand. That's not trusting Christ. Maybe if we did that, it would be easier. At home life and personal life, we make... Uh, excuses why not Lord why we shouldn't Lord people make excuses all the time and when they come to me I go okay I bluffed them that time that's what they think I bluffed them that time no you didn't I just go okay it's your heart not mine it's your heart it's not mine Moses says in our reading, verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? So if they say this, I'm going to say that. You ever get that? You know you're going to speak with someone about something, and then an argument starts in your heart before you even speak to them. If they say this, I'm going to say that. And if they say this, then I'll come back with this. It's not any wonder the Lord says, no, to think not what you're going to say when you bring his word for the Holy Spirit will give you the things to say at the time you need it. Because we want to say what we want to say and not what God has to say. And so the Lord says in verse 14, 
And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am have sent me unto you. I am gives the idea of eternal being. It gives the idea of beginning and ending and everything in between. He's the, he's the, the whole alphabet. He's our whole alphabet, everything in between. That's why Christ is the word. So notice here, let your eye run down, if you will, to chapter 4 and verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. So what are they going to... Here's another, here's another excuse in Moses' head. The people are going to say, God hasn't appeared unto you. You don't have the word of God from us. We're here 400 years, and who do you think you are to say the Lord's going to bring us out? God hasn't appeared unto you. Verse 2, And the Lord said unto him, What is in that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. If you're underlining, underline a rod. A rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. So here he he is, and he puts his rod down, becomes a serpent. Moses runs, and the Lord says, take it by the tail. He starts to gather a bit of strength. God is testing him and proving him for a moment. So he manages to take it by the tail. It becomes a rod again. Now, it's, it's known as the, the rod of Moses. It's a rod in Moses' hand. Will you let your eye run down to verse 20, please? And Moses took his wife and sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Have you noticed anything here yet? It's the same rod, but it's went from the rod of Moses, the rod in the hand of Moses, but now it's the rod of God. This is the one that he holds over the Red Sea when the Egyptians are coming behind him and the Red Sea opens at the command of the Lord. Moses is starting to step out and realize the I am really is the I am. That if we just do exactly as the word says and as God commands us and go in faith believing in him, then God will make the impossible happen. And God changes a dry stick, a rod in the hand of Moses into the rod of God that opens the Red Sea. You wonder between this time what had happened? God was revealing more to Moses as Moses went step by step. Look, every day you'll find it hard and you can make your excuse. The Lord may be saying, I want you to do something, go somewhere, give something up. You, maybe as David Wilkerson calls them the sipping saints, maybe there's someone who's been tippling at the, at the old alcohol and the Lord says, I want you to cut that out. Ah, but I like this. Cut that out. 
Maybe it's smoking. Simple things like this. Maybe it's bigger. Maybe it's bitterness. Hatred for someone. Anger. And the Lord said, let it go, let it go. And watch me bless you. But Lord, if I do, then I'm, I'm showing myself weak. No, you're not. You're showing yourself meek. Meekness and weakness. You know the difference between meekness and weakness? Weakness is when we can't do anything. Meekness is when we can and we choose to yield to God. Notice here, Moses says in chapter 4 and verse 1, Behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken to my voice, and they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Brothers and sisters, when we preach the word, when we witness at work, or college, or school, or in your neighborhood to your family, it's not our concern who believes and who doesn't believe. It's not our concern who accepts and who doesn't accept. We rejoice when they do. It's not our concern who gets saved and who doesn't get saved. And we rejoice when they do. But it's not our concern. We have to do as God says we have to do. All I can do to the church is to bring the word. But they have to receive it, believe it, and walk in it. The ungodly have to receive the word, believe the word, and walk in it in the newness of life in Christ. But if they don't, it's not my fault because I can't save them. It's not down to me to save, but it's down to you and I to reach out. It's down to you and I to step up for Christ. It's down to you and I to answer the call of God. It's down to you and I to reach out and bring the word, bring your testimony, speak to others. And whatever happens, it's up to God. Look, I've had to learn a lesson long ago. And sometimes the Lord has to still rehearse this lesson over and over again with me. And that lesson is, I can't save people. And I can't keep people. So it means I don't lose people. When a painter paints, like at this backdrop, when it was being painted, a few coats went on it. And after a while, you could see the color, you could see the finished product, and you th- I remember stepping back and going, that's a nice shade, that's lovely. We call that C-E-T, orange. Paula, during the week, messaged me, they were working down in the building a little bit, and she says, I think I'll get that terracotta. And I went, oh, it's not terracotta, that's C-E-T, orange. We have an actual, we have an actual barcode number to go down to get that That's an actual shade that we got done. (laughs) It's not terracotta. And then she came back and she says, I just bought an orange and I painted this shelf. And I went, oh. No, I didn't. didn't. It looks well. 
but you can see the finished product in such a short period of time. Johnny's a builder. You can see what you build, Johnny, and look at a wall, a house, or whatever, and you see in that period of time the finished product. But whether it's ministry with children, whether it's ministry with uh, young people, whether it's ministry with the men, or whether it's ministry with the women, or, or whatever it may be, preaching from the pulpit, ministering into people's hearts, sowing into their lives. Sometimes, as a pastor, I look back at all that's been done, and there's very little to show for it. Some people have flourished. Some people have went seeking God because they've been in a meeting. God has spoken to them and they've went and started seeking the Lord and it's blessed them. And the more they're blessed, the more they want because they've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And others have heard and even said, yeah, I enjoyed that this morning. Didn't change that. And in God's work, it's very rare you see a finished product because it's always on the move. It's always on the building of the person. But I have had to learn that, yes, there might be hurt. There might be disappointment. There might be upset. There might be disillusionment. But I have learned you've got to keep going doing as God told you to do and leave the rest up to him. I learned that lesson a long time ago and yet sometimes comes back to me, starts to eat me. Lord, why? Why this? Why that? Why the other? Brothers and sisters, it wasn't up to Moses. He just had to go and do He just had to go and say, but he started to make excuse why he wouldn't. I wonder, is the Lord pointing to somebody this morning and has been maybe even for a while and you're saying, I would, Lord, but. I would, Lord, but. So what is your excuse now? Last week, so what is your excuse then? That was the question. And it's, so what is your excuse now? Because we tend to keep excusing ourselves before God in order that we don't have to carry out that which God has commanded us to do in case of any further disappointment. Notice here in chapter 4, please, and verse 10. Notice this for a great excuse. And Moses said unto the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am, not an, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken to thy, unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. In other words, Moses said, Lord, I can't really go because I have a bit of a speech impediment. Now that might be a seemingly good enough excuse But surely if God is telling you to go, then he's going to use your mouth. Fill your mouth that you may be able to carry out his task. 
But Moses says, Lord, I'm not eloquent. God's not looking for marbles in the mouth, brother. God's not looking for them. I said marbles. I was being posher myself. It's Marty's. God's not looking for Marty's in the mouth, sister. He's looking for a heart that's ready to go. He's looking for a vessel that's ready to be filled. Ah, but Lord, my excuse is, I'm not eloquent enough. He's not looking for your doctorate. He's not looking for how intelligent you are, how smart you are. He's not looking to see if you've got a list of letters, the length of the alphabet behind your name to bum and blow about and to be puffed up about. He says, I don't care how eloquent you are, Moses. It's not you that does it. It's me. God's looking for hearts. God's looking for the heart that's ready to be used, not the heart that's given an excuse. Lord, I'm ignorant and unlearned. Sure, didn't the apostles say that? Didn't the apostles say that? Were the apostles not ignorant fishermen? I can't really say all those big words. Brothers and sisters, I left school without any exams at all. And I'm still not eloquent. And I'm still not too intelligent. In fact, my wife would tell you outside of the pulpit, I'm a bit dense. Maybe she might not use that word. Maybe she does, I don't know. He's not looking for your eloquence. He wants your heart. He wants the readiness of mind. He wants a people. He wants CET, but he wants you personally, brother, sister. He wants you. Say, Lord, here am I. We'll look at that another day as well. Send me, Isaiah said. And it says here in verse 10, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. I've even, I'm not eloquent, and even worse, Lord, I maybe have a bit of a stammer. Imagine coming to God and say, I have a stammer. Listen to what the Lord says in verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Who made man's mouth? Who made your mouth? Who made your mouth, Moses, brother, sister? Who made your mouth? And our mouth is either mostly used to to converse one with another. Our mouth is used even to gossip about one another. But God made the mouth to talk to him and praise him. So what is your excuse now? No, maybe God has brought someone in and the Lord's been sending them about having to do something. Could, could be to go out and evangelize. Could be go out and do something else, a mission field or whatever. And you'd be going, Lord, I can't, but I would, but I can't, but. Maybe the Lord's been telling you. Maybe you're a multimillionaire and the Lord told you you have to build us a building. 
I had to repent the other night. Um, <laughs> I have to watch what I say here. I was talking to another man. And don't get me wrong, I was glad for them. I rejoiced with them. But I was told someone came into their congregation and they needed a building. And within weeks, this person came and had bought them a building and all. Bought them the whole lot. I remember Pastor McCullough one time saying, he used to always say this, I look in my ladder box every day and I look to see if there's a million pound check in it. <laughs> and his wife used to laugh at him and say, catch yourself on. And one day he's in the office and a man and woman from not too far from here came in and left a million pound check a million pounds in one go. Now you know me, anybody here, I don't preach money. I never, I've never once. But brothers and sisters, maybe God is telling you, this is what needs done. This is where you should be. Maybe God's telling us all that we need to get ready and and we're making an excuse. So what is your excuse now? I can't, Lord, because. Who made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him who thou wilt send. Do you know what he's saying? I'm only going to go if you do do this. Moses is starting to give God a contract of what he will do it for. Can you imagine that? There's only so many times, brothers and sisters, you can make excuses to the Lord. Verse 14 shows us this. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he saith thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth. And with his mouth, and will teach you what ye shall do. God in his grace actually says, Okay, Aaron of the tribe of Levi's coming. You tell him what I've told you. Many of us would go, I don't really want to tell my family. I don't want to witness to my family. I don't want to tell my brother because he's going to think that I'm mad just the way the Israelites will when I go and tell them that Yahweh has sent me. And the Lord says, listen, I'll be with your mouth then and I'll be with his mouth and his heart will be ready to receive it. His heart will be glad to receive it and you'll go together. So brothers and sisters, Moses didn't realize, what he didn't realize was that he was tried when he lived in Egypt. He was tested here in the wilderness and now God was going to prove his leadership. 
I spiritually, I'm not going to go into it, but I spiritually at the moment, at the minute, for a while, I've been going through a personal thing between me and God. And he's been testing the leadership. I'm talking about me. Personally me. The elders can talk for themselves about how the Lord deals with them. But I'm talking about me. He's been testing my, uh, proving my leadership. Am I able to lead a people? Am I able to stay strong? Am I able to step out and trust God when things seem to take downturns or things come against us or people come against us or, or there's dangers here and there and I, I don't want to go into too much, but God has been dealing me all, with me all along and I've had to deal with certain issues and things in my life and certain people. But I've also had to dig deep that God, I mean really deep that God knows what he's doing when I don't. Disputations and doubtings and things that come into our lives. I'm talking about me now, into my life. And yet go and minister to the heart of the people. Still go and be in the place and feed the sheep. What happens when we're looking to press on in God and build and yet this morning we're greatly down? Does that discourage you? Well, Yes. But will it stop you? Well, no. But it does make me think, and I'm not talking about anyone in particular here, I promise you I'm not. I'm talking in a general sense, talking to other pastors, and I've been talking to a couple of pastors, three pastors this week, and we've all said the same thing. But where? Where are the majority of the people in their heart? Where's the majority of the people? We've been sharing what we've been preaching in our churches just over the phone. And it's strange because they're phoning me. I shows you I'm getting older because they're now all phoning me. I used to go to Pastor McConnell. He's not here now. But they're phoning me and asking me advice. And I'm going, don't ask me because my head's away. They're asking me advice, they're talking about things and we're trying to work them out. And they've said, and I would say, where's the heart? Where's the heart of the people for Christ? Online ministry is not church. Coming before God with your face muzzled and masked is not right. We've spoken about it. Where is the heart of these people? The Christian used to witness and work. Now the Christian is no different really in the unsaved in many, time, many occasions. The Christian used to stand out and work in his workplace, her workplace, and used to near plead with people every week until they were sick looking at them. 
Will you come to church tonight to the gospel meeting? Will you come and hear the word of God? Would you come out? That's all I ever heard. There's a man, he was a taxi driver. And when I was in the world, he used to turn up like a bad penny. I used to try and, and hopefully, I thought, I'll try a wee bit later and he maybe not be working. And he always turned up like a bad penny. And he used to tell me about the Lord the whole way in when I was going out for a drink. And he used to go, oh no, here he is again. And the Christians used to do that. They used to take their stand. They used to be out in protest. They used to be standing in the cold and all sorts of weather, standing up for the truth and the word of God. But now it's excuse. Don't want to rock the boat. Don't want to offend. We have to be politically correct. The hell with politically correct, we're publicly correct. It's the word of God. Where are you? Where am I with Christ? God has been dealing with me. I mean dealing with me. He's been ringing me out the times I wanted to put a duvet over my head and not get out of bed in the morning. He's been dealing with me to the the point where I can't even think straight at times. And he's been speaking to me and speaking to me and I'm reading the word and it's jumping out at me and I'm walking the poor old dog his legs are walked off him. And I'm talking to the Lord that nobody thinks I'm nuts. I have the dog with me to think I'm talking to the dog. And I'm walking along the road and sometimes I have a baseball cap on and hopefully nobody will recognize me. But when I'm talking to the Lord, I take it off and I'm walking along, Lord, and I'm like this here, people will think I'm trying to flag them down going up the road. Lord, will you help me? Lord, will you come and anoint me? Lord, will you bless your people? Will you save the lost? Will you come and move in our families and our homes? Lord, will you stir up the Christian? Will you stir up the so-called believer? They're sleeping. They're sleeping. And they're dead. With Christless, godless sermons. Bloodless sermons. Wordless sermons. Dead religious men, false prophets behind the pulpit. And the people are dying, spiritually dying. And make an excuse after excuse why they're so. Listen. You can fall out with me and leave the church. That's fine. I don't want to fall out with anyone, but you can. That's fine. I don't want that, but that's fine. But there's those who say they're falling out and make an excuse to the church, but really they fell out with love with Christ. They've fallen out of love with Christ and they don't even go to another church. Don't even go. Everyone and everything is their excuse. I'm going to finish. Thank you for your attention. God was proving Moses for leadership. Brothers and sisters, if we don't go through the trial, if we don't stay faithful to the testing, if we make excuse every day, excuse after excuse every week. We used to get them 
the Christians come out to church and now we're pleading with the people, the, the, the believers, the so-called blood-wise, the so-called believers, come out, come out, come out, come out at night. You know what they're doing? They put the fire on. It's a wee bit cold. They put the feet up. Now the cabs are roasting. And they get the tea on. They go, I'm too comfortable. Comfortable? Comfortable when men and women are going to hell in a handcart? Comfortable? When Christ died for them and went to the tomb and rose again the third day? Comfortable at the passion of Christ? Oh, you're tired in Egypt. Do you know something? See, when you read of Israelites coming out of Egypt and then into the wilderness, it was easier in the sense for the Lord through Moses to get the people of Israel out of the Egypt. But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the people. It took 40 years to get Egypt out of the people. Their hearts were conditioned. And do you know what this last two years has done? It's conditioned the hearts of many. Conditioned the hearts to accept. I don't want to go into tonight's message. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. You'll not come out in case I say more. (laughs) Their hearts are conditioned and programmed. by fake news in the media. You are being tried in Egypt, as it were. Tested in this wilderness. Maybe you're going through a tough time. Tested. That's where I am, I believe. But it's to be proved for leadership, for that which God has got you to do. Brothers and sisters, what's your excuse now? When we look at Christ and his cross, when we look at the blood that he shed, what's your excuse not to serve him? What's my excuse? I make excuses, we all do. Every one of us does. Every one of us are to blame. So what's your excuse now? I won't sing because, I won't play because, I won't pray because. I won't come because, I won't do because, I won't minister because, I won't whatever because, I won't go because. What is your excuse? So what is your excuse now? Ask the team to come up, please. May God bless you this morning.